As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive! Left field! It is out of here! This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 50 of The Roundtable Podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Before we jump in, I want to tell you about New York Times Audio, a new uh, Apple app for the New York Times. All access and news subscribers. It's got our show, plus all of the other podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrated articles, and more. New York Times Audio. Download it now at newyorktimes.com slash audio app. All right. Not awkward at all. What is up, Andy and Mark? Episode 50. We're still here. We're still here. Yeah, I mean, this is what... Gay Talese was writing about in the Kingdom of the Power when he, you know, wrote about the New York Times as an institution. It's just three people who could never get hired by that company reading ads for them. So, <laughs> like, yes, the Salzburgers' mission complete. Yeah, no, we're we're still here, and I really do feel for the people. They have a, a job where they are, you know, they they rely on their podcast to get them through their day. And four days out of the week, they've got uh, uh, like good <laughs> baseball content. And every time it's us, they dread it. I honestly like this is not snark. I feel for them because it's like, yeah, we're not we're an acquired taste, but uh, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. Mark, what's up? I was just imagining the possibilities of these narrated stories. Man, I would love. For someone to just read out loud Andy McCullough's prose about Doc Ellis smoking everybody that stepped into the batter's box that day uh, in Cincinnati. I, I, I love it. Like, I mean, I think there's massive possibilities there for us. We should be exploring that. But anyway. Listen, I can help you out with that. Uh, here. <clears throat> All right. Three, two, one. Mets are banged up and beaten down. <laughs> this might be who they are. McCullough. Got him. 
Maybe this is just what 442 million buys these days. Oh, yeah. Wow. Maybe this is all you can do through free agency in a sport where fewer and fewer franchise-altering talents reach the open market. Yep, yep. Keep going. No, that's uh, Andy Bacala. Uh, That is what he wrote. He wrote the Mets are cooked. Mets are done, dude. What Over. is uh, their record since then, Andy McCullough? Uh, they are undefeated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, you know, Dylan Hernandez gave me great advice when uh, we worked together at the LA Times. Anytime you write a column about something going on and the opposite thing starts happening, take credit because you motivated them. You motivated them to get their act together, you know? There have been, like, some stray sort of, like, snark online you know, people, you know, like someone called me a dork, which like totally reasonable. Um, <laughs> I will say if there was a Mets fan who felt good about the club as of last Tuesday, uh, that person's a dummy. Um, they did not look good. Now, like as we noted in the column, uh, there was a chance there was a route for them back to uh, sort of competence and it involved like their stars playing like stars, i.e. an ill Pete Alonso hitting a home run every day. And for some of the younger fellas, you know, the, the, the young boys like Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos and Francisco Alvarez to, you know, barrel up some balls. And that's exactly what happened during this five game winning streak against the Rays and the Guardians. So, um, yeah, I was right. Yet again, undefeated <laughs> myself, uh, never have a bad take, never lost. My day job is to write about the Giants, and the Giants are a similarly confusing team. And all I can do is just be honest and not overreact and not go one way or the other. So when they were, you know, filling the toilet up with things I'd never seen before, <laughs> I was just like, listen, I think this team is better than this. I honestly do. And the people did not like that. People were in the comments telling, saying that I was a homer, that I was a mouthpiece of the organization. But it was just me staring at the roster going, now I think Michael Conforto's got a little bit more. I think this is going to... And now they're, they're, they're on a little bit of a hot streak. So I'm not going to like parade around and say like, ah, I'm finally right. They're only one game over 500. But it's tricky to write about a team like that because you look at it and I think the Mets are, I had the same idea about the Mets where I look and it's like, what if Verlander and Scherzer don't work out? They are old. What if these old pitchers act like old pitchers? It's a problem. And so I, I had the same idea about the Mets. Uh, sorry, they're calling you a dork now. Oh, it's okay. I deserve it. <laughs> I mean, look at me. <laughs> that's not nice come on be nicer to yourself you know who's been doing a great job though is manager buck showalter uh unlike what some dumbasses in the media will tell you so this is where i get to invoke the i'm just a dude sitting on the couch card buddy like, we know okay i haven't used my bbwaa card in so long that it's gathering dust right here right okay so i'm just a dude a private citizen just noticing <laughs> Okay, just a private citizen noticing that this guy can't do anything wrong. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I didn't say he was a bad manager. I didn't say they should fire him. And that's the thing about Twitter that really irritates me is that it's either you got to fire the guy or you got to put a crown on his head. I said neither. All right. He's fine. He's a perfectly fine manager. I just missed the day where he learned to walk on water. That's all. And by the way, you know, like it's very simple what's happened with the New York Mets. They started hitting home runs. And yes, I am a private citizen who is annoyed. Damn it. <laughs> so like I've just become a gadfly on, on my couch Basically, in Jersey. More or right, less. More yeah. or less. But like it's really funny. Like the Mets have turned it around and good for them. Like they've shown some toughness, all that stuff. We're talking about like one run wins. We're talking about like some of the clutchest home runs. And so I, look, I think they're a good team still. I also think that 
you know, it, it's God, baseball's so weird because is this sustainable? Like, is this how they were built? Like, because I, I mean, the, what's happened here is that they've started to put the ball over the fence. And one of the questions about them coming into the year when they ran it back was that are they going to do this enough, right? Especially in the postseason when, as we know, that's really what the differentiator is, is are you able to put a ball over the fence because it is so difficult to string together hits and all that. Now, may, no, I say that and I wonder if the rules change that some because there are going to be more balls in play and all that stuff. It changes the calculus a little bit. I don't know. But it is interesting that a team turns it around, not because Buck pushes all the right buttons or because some national columnist writes an obituary. It's as simple as dudes hitting the ball over the fence, right? Like, and that's what happened this week. They started hitting homers. Yeah, duh. <laughs> you look at the lineup. I think that's the same thing where you look at the lineup and the lineup should, like Starling Marte, I, he's 34, right? So he's, he's not exactly a young pup. Maybe he, this is serious decline. He's not the worst hitter in baseball. You know what I mean? Like Starling Marte is still good. You could still count on Starling Marte to be good at some point. You can still count on most of these hitters in the lineup to produce uh, offense in a way that helps the Mets win. For me, the question's always been the pitching. Uh, as far as keeping them healthy, uh, keeping them uh, just making their starts. And you've got uh, uh, Senga's looking pretty good. He's looking okay. But Scherzer and Verlander looking okay-ish. But both of their strikeout rates are sort of trending down to like that, uh, not quite Kirk Reader direction, but they're not the Scherzer and Verlander of old. So I don't know. For me, the story's still the pitching. 5 one Run wins does not uh, a narrative make, I don't think. Oh, do I have news for you about about, <laughs> about how narrative works? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah, I mean, I think that Verlander and Scherzer both look pretty good on Sunday against uh, the Guardians, which, you know, who are more or less the 27 Yankees when it comes to offensive production. Um, so that was encouraging. I mean, Verlander seems to be, or excuse me, Scherzer seems to be mostly fighting against himself more than anything else just to like physically get right. So it's less about the competition than it is just him just sort of getting his delivery aligned and his body right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the rest of the rotation is a bit problematic. I mean, Senga's okay. Like, Tyler or McGill is okay. They're going to hope Carlos Carrasco is okay. Um, you know, they're going to hope they get Jose Quintana back. But yeah, I mean, it's still short. I mean, they're still not a team as good as the Braves who have been scuffling themselves. I think it's just, man, National League, every team that doesn't play in the American League East right now feels like, you know, 88 wins-ish. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would push back on that a little bit as far as the Braves and the Dodgers and, and some other teams. But yeah, they look like true talenty 88 wins. Does that make sense? Okay, I get you there. I get you there. It's uh, I do think the Braves are the class of the NL going forward. I think the Mets are going to be pushing against that. To me, before the season started, it was the Braves and Mets, Mets and Braves, Braves and Mets, Mets and Braves. And now I'm looking at the Mets and I am thinking... Ah, the Marlins and the Mets, like that's not, they're not that dissimilar, you know, like they, they, they have some talent here and some gaps there and, and the Phillies might come on and get hot. Like that cluster of the NL East is interesting to me. I'm not sure I see the Braves as separating themselves that far yet from that cluster. I, I you know, I, maybe that, I mean, that's not a reflection of true talent per se. I mean, it, it's a good ball club, obviously, but I'm not sure that I would take them quite out of that bucket. The Mets are, what, four and a half games behind them, you know? And I, I think what's fascinating about the Mets is 
really, it's more like how much of a downstream effect are we going to see from the things they've endured to this point? Because the starting pitching being what it's been has obviously put a lot of weight on the bullpen. Well, when you look at the bullpen, those are some older guys carrying a lot of weight right now. So, you know, and, that, and it's really helped bolster them, but you know that, that you, that's not going to last. So I think they're coming upon a really important stretch where they need to figure out what inventory they actually have as far as who's going to cover some of these innings, right? Like what when these guys come back, what are they? And you could almost put Scherzer in that category too. He's clearly not what he was even last year. So the question is, what can you actually bank on there? Is it, you know, if, if he were to fight himself, and I think Andy has a good point. He is. He fighting himself. He's also had like a, uh, he's through, throwing through some pain right now. I think it was like a weird split nail blister sort of situation. But you need to know what that guy is, right? And then I think that you got to have a clearer picture so you can figure out how to address whatever, how to address whatever deficiencies there may be. And I think there's just too many questions right now there. And like the bullpen is sort of like holding it together while they figure that side out. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great point, Mark. And, I'm, and I think Mets fans should just be thankful that they have a decorated field general who can manage them through this on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you couldn't ask for someone you'd rather have at the helm than a four-time manager of the year. So like, seems like smooth sailing ahead. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. <laughs> what the buck? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. Why are you doing this, Andy? I'm just a private citizen tweeting right, from my yet. couch. Pre- yeah, not a yeah, national you, you, columnist, you know? We're just normal men. I mean, I'm just the guy. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Grant, speaking of the working man, can we do the roundtable head of yeah. the week, please? Yes, I did skip over that. That's uh, okay. So first off, are we set on roundtable head? Feels like a little bit like adding gate to any scandal, like as a suffix, like a round table head. Is there not anything more creative that we can come up with? I don't have any ideas, so maybe the answer is yes, but round table head, does it, does it sing? I thought the gimmick was that the name of the show is boring, so our fan base should have a boring name. Perfect. All right, I'm in. All right, round table head of the week. Uh, we have, let me pull it up. We have a Cone. At the one and only. Mark Carrig, by McCullough, and Grant Brisby should know that I'm a real roundtable head because even though he's scuffling, I start Brandon Fought every week on my fantasy team. Uh, Brandon Fat. <laughs> I know it's Fought now, but c- come on, there's two A's, there's a P and an F. That's a great name. I'm sorry. Like, if Brandon's listening and he thinks I'm making fun of him, no. Fat is like a, that's A. Plus. I, Give it up for Brandon Fat, but also uh, Roundtable Head of the Week. I we love Roundtable Heads. Like we we share them in Slack and we talk about them. So keep sending us good stuff. Maybe you could be the Roundtable Head of the Week. As the only pro labor podcast uh, in baseball, we support people uh, who are listening to this podcast instead of doing their job. So uh, shout out to uh, John from South Philly who was listening to us while delivering the mail last week. Thank you, John, for your support. I'm going to be earnest for a second. John, that tweet made my week. Like, that's great. Thank you. My dad drove a truck for 30 years delivering Coca-Colas all over the Bay Area. It is hard work. People are outside all the time. It's very difficult. And so I remember him telling me when I was growing up that the things he appreciated were when he'd go into somebody's shop, people just being nice, 
right? Like, like helping him through it almost. I am a happy private citizen. Thank you, Brian. But like, you know, it was a nice thing that you said about, um, you know, getting a laugh out of this ridiculousness because it is ridiculous. So thanks for listening, John. Be safe out there. Hope it's not getting too hot in South Philly. If you want to be roundtable head of the week, tweet at Grant Brisby. Tweet just said, like, send me records, and then you'll definitely be the roundtable head of the week. I, I like, I, I'm not above bribes, so just, uh, you know, I'll give, I'll put my address out on the internet. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Anyways, I think, uh, what do we do? We segue. You wanted to talk a little bit about the Padres. Yeah, I just, and whoop, like, what is up with the Padres, man? Who are the ad wizards who came up with this one? I, uh, yeah. yeah, it's so early in the season. Right. Where stuff can very quickly turn around. We saw it with the Mets. Like, you know, we're kind of making fun of me for having excellent timing with that column. But like that team looked about dead as of Tuesday. Not like dead in the sense of like um, the season was over, but just like lifeless. Right. And all it takes is, you know, a couple big swings to get things back in order. With the Padres, man, I mean, I guess it's the same story. But like what outside of Juan Soto waking up in the last like two weeks, like is anything Going right out there? Let me see. Josh Hader, pretty good. Uh, Fernando Tatis is back. Like Tatis has been good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that a sign? Machado hadn't been on the IL since 2014. Yeah. I mean, it took a it took a broken bone. I mean, it wasn't easy to get him there. He's a, he's a tough fella. That's super impressive. Okay. Like, and he's not playing a position where. You're not getting physical contact or whatever, right? Like he's, he, it's, it's tough. And so, I, mean, I guess the one thing that that that's going for him is that they're better than nineteen and thirty-one, <laughs> right? Speaking of once, like I mean, they're better than nineteen and thirty-one, but like, geez, not that much better. Yeah, but you know what they don't have is prime Steven Strasburg and Max that. Scherzer. That is true. Which like is the thing that like yeah like I'm I get you know because of the because of what the Nationals did you know, you can't count out any team they also had Max Scherzer a Hall of Fame pitcher and Steven Strasburg who is I would say the best postseason pitcher of his generation uh, so it was help it's helpful to have those fellas. Do you consider Madison Bumgarner a member of that generation? Yeah, maybe? like I watched the 2012 playoffs for example. I consider that part of the generation. Some, some wow. I would just watch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, did you see Grant's eyes narrow? Right yeah, there, he's he going to no, start he a fight. Fired he's going to kick he your ass. Yeah, up. like he's going to drag you to the parking lot. I don't lot. take no guff from no pointy-headed baseball columnist. <laughs> when I say generation, I don't mean like against the Royals in one series. I mean wow. like over a span of time. Like World Series, like allowing one earned run in three different World Series total. Oh, here we go. Which one are we talking? Who are we talking about? Oh, I well, hold on. We can do the Pepsi challenge on this. Give me a second. Give me a second. I, this is like a. This is one of my firmly held convictions that I haven't investigated in quite some time. So, this so is you're taking fun. Strasburg over Bumgarner? Yeah. If this I had is to win not one in the, game. This is not in the outline, Andy. We're going off the rails here. I love it. If I had to win, <laughs> if I had to win, yeah. I, yep. I feel good about this. If I had to win one game in October uh, and I had to pick someone from this generation, I think I would pick Strasburg. A healthy Strasburg. You want to know the funniest thing? And this is, I'm going to be the one that all of a sudden, like, a uh, heel turn gets canceled for this. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a healthy in his prime Clayton Kershaw. Like, I just, he's still the best pitcher, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> so here's the thing. The real roundtable heads know I'm very deep in research on a certain project about a certain left-handed pitcher uh, that will be out next Father's Day. The question is who's managing, right? Like are they managing him in a way where if they get through six and it's clean, he's coming out, right? Or are they managing like it's 2013, 2014 and pushing him through seven? Because, yeah, during this span, Kershaw is the best pitcher on the planet and in some ways he's almost like his postseason record now like look we can we could jesus i didn't expect we'd get into this today grant he has always shouldered the responsibility for the things that happened in october however a close read of those situations suggests that had there been different sort of dugout intervention and you can argue right or wrong like you know that what they will always say is like try and find me someone better and talking to players who faced him during that time would always say, I wanted him out of the game. However, he was pushed harder than most guys were in those situations. Every year was just a short rest. That was yeah, the plan. Short just rest. Kershaw on short rest. Like, what, how could it go? And then the next year, like, wow, it didn't work last year. But this year, this is the year that short rest is going to work. It's like, come on, man. I think we, uh, let's, let's steer it back. I'm just sorry. This is breaking po- news to me. When did you start working on a Patrick Corbin project? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I, oh, we'll, we'll get back yeah. to it off the air anyway go on yeah. i don't know i'd have to maybe i'm wrong maybe i would take kershaw i don't who would you take mark i actually was sitting here trying to think about that as you guys were talking and <laughs> probably kershaw <laughs> yeah. probably kershaw probably. i mean like because i feel like so much of 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 his supposed failures at that time of year, right? If you're watching closely enough, you see that really, truly, there's just a lot of easy narrative going on there. You know, I don't know. Like, this is somebody who obviously is an incredible competitor, and we've seen that rise, rise. you know, seen him do that as well in those moments. So probably Kershaw. I mean, it's like easy to pick the best player, you know? I guess I say Strasburg because I feel like he was managed most optimally. Yeah. I could see that. If that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, who's better? It's Kershaw. I don't know. I Yeah, I guess I didn't really investigate. Yeah, again, we weren't planning on this, Grant. No, no, no. Uh, well, it's good to go down a little rabbit hole. I will, <laughs> I will say, I don't know if you know this, uh, but I am actually rather popular with Dodgers fans. Dodgers fans uh, like me. And I think part of that is because I was fair, while Kershaw's going through all that postseason weirdness, to write lengthy articles just going like, listen, if Hanley Ramirez is here instead of there, he gets out of that inning and the narrative is bunk. He pitched his butt off for so many games and then it all fell apart at the wrong time in the wrong situation when he shouldn't have been out there. So I... I I, I still take Kershaw. And I know that Giants fans are mad right now, but I don't care. I don't care. Someone should write a book about that guy. Someone should write a book about that guy. And the Oakland A's. Stop. Uh, <laughs> you know. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I guess this is a good place to segue into the current state of the Dodgers. And Andy brought up, I don't remember the exact words you used, that their uh, starting rotation is toast or that they, uh, their pitching <laughs> is toast. I believe it's cooked. So, Was it cooked? Cooked. So I was saying, oh, you know what? It, to me, it's just the Dodgers are back. They're winning a bunch. Okay, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, the Dodgers. I go to the Fangraphs roster resource page, and in their rotation, as of right now, where there should be five pitchers, there are three, and it's Tony Gonsolin, Noah Syndergaard, and Gavin Stone. Underneath them, there's a little red asterisk that says Bobby Miller will start on Tuesday, May 23rd. Part of this is because Clayton Kershaw is on the bereavement list, but still, whoa, they're uh, actively cycling through their emergency kit, and it's it's uh, getting a little dire. Sorry, I was I was just thinking about what my publisher's reaction would be if I turned in a hundred thousand words on Patrick Corbin, <laughs> uh, and it's like it's almost that would be great. It. It's almost worth it. Like I did the whole like I you know went to Syracuse and wrote about his upbringing and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I feel like this is. This season feels like such an interesting hinge in the sort of uh, in the in the Dodgers general reign, right? Like where it could go either way. I think we had a um, I wasn't on the NL West episode preview episode, but I did pick the Dodgers after changing my mind several times. Now, like I'm not trying to claim credit because I was pretty convinced I was going to take the Padres and then I changed my mind. But this felt like the most up for grabs the West has been in quite some time, mostly because there was so much uncertainty about who exactly the Dodgers are. And like they are winning games. They're scoring some runs. You know, their stars are playing like stars. But there still is a real question of like who exactly like is this club? And there are ways where you can look at it. Where at the end of the season, if, you know, guys like Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller, like, come up and look like the guys the Dodgers hope they could be, where you could see this team being set for the next three, four years, there are scenarios where this team could win, like, 90 
five games even. And you're like, is this team good? Like what, you know, <laughs> like, cause they just, I mean, obviously they're good, but like they, there are such obvious clear holes and like the way the pitching is currently set up, like it's going to be fascinating to see how to get through these next few weeks. It is underrated how easy it is to take for granted what the Dodgers have done over the last decade plus. And specifically with, surprise, here's Justin Turner. And then Justin Turner is a huge cornerstone for the next several years. Uh, surprise, here's Max Muncy. You never heard of him? Tough, you know. And then Max Muncy is a big part of their team. Chris Taylor, uh, surprise. And what if that stops? What if that isn't necessarily uh, an organizational guarantee, but something where they just happen to, to catch lightning in a bottle three times in a row that really, really helped their ability to spend? It helped their ability. They have these players for so long doing MVP quality things, and it, it opened up so many doors. What if that isn't happening? Like, for example, Diego Cartaya is not doing so hot in AA. Like, what if they just aren't going to have that conveyor belt of prospects, conveyor belt of minor league free agent fines and, and trade wins. I mean, James Altman is in that vein. He's having one of those Max Muncy, Chris Taylor kind of uh, uh, origin stories. But uh, yeah, what if the conveyor belt stops? Yeah, I mean, but there's no sign that it has just yet. Sure, sure, right? for like, sure. Like Outman came on the conveyor belt. Miguel Vargas has been perfectly fine. And he'll get better. Probably. Or, and if not, you know, he's on track to be like a three-win player this year, which is pretty good. You know, the, the pitching is a little more concerning because none of these guys have come up and looked like Walker Bueller looked like after a while in 2018. Now it's kind of unfair to compare them to Walker Bueller, who another one of the best postseason pitchers of his generation. But like, yeah, I, I, I think you are seeing now like – does J.D. Martinez fit into the Max Muncy bucket of like, hey, where'd this guy come from? No, not exactly. He's J.D. Martinez, but he's had a notable uptick, you know, playing in L.A., working with Robert Van Skoik again, you know, uh, being around Mookie Betts again, all that sort of stuff. So, like, they're still doing some things where you're like, yeah, they, they've got some, you know, magic pixie dust. But they're also – it's more just like where are the bodies going to come from? Right. Because with, you know, May's down for a while, Urias is, is banged up, like Grove is banged up. You know, there's just a lot of attrition. Wait, real quick. Can you go back to that name? The, the guy <laughs> that was working with J.D. Martinez. The hidden coach. Robert Van Skoik. That's a great name. All right. Go on, Mark. No, no. It is a great name. You want to say it again? It's so good. Yeah. It, yeah. Robert Van Skoik. Is. God. Is that damn. how you pronounce it or is it Skoyak? I'll be honest with you. It I better have no be Skoyak. Because I've only read the name. Like I've read, I know who you're talking about. I know what that person has done. I even think I know how to spell it, but I know how to spell it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, oh, Van Skoik of the Hampton Van. Skoiks. That's the one. The textiles. He's cousins. They're the textiles. He's cousins family. with uh, with Tyler Mallet. <laughs> anyway, all right. Sorry, it'll Mark, be a two one. So, all right, the Dodgers obviously are going to have to bang their way out of this hole while they figure out the pitching. Now, how many of the nine players that they penciled into the lineup last night have a slugging of 500 or better? Four or Six five. of nine. Five? Six of yeah, nine. So that's like, you know, and, and yeah. I was yeah, actually... They can, they can bang that ball. That's on. right. Like, and, and to me, and I, I was, you know, I, I mentioned the Astros to you guys this morning. The thing that I feel like is the test of a champion, so to speak, is, is when you have times like this. Are there, do you have multiple ways that you can win a ball game. Joel Sherman brought that up about the Mets right about when Andy wrote his column. And by the way, in, in fairness, to Andy, no one looked at that team and went, boy, 
they're going to be just fine, okay? <laughs> and so Joel at the New York Post wrote something, made a couple of points. I, I actually wasn't on the Post. He was on TV doing this. He made a point about how what he found distressing about the Mets is that he couldn't figure out an area of the game in which they could dominate and just win, right? Like, they, you know, we talked about the Rays a lot and how the reason that they've taken off is that not only are they doing their whole, we're going to suffocate you thing, but they're also putting the ball out of the ballpark, right? The Dodgers, I think, get themselves so much leeway so long as they've got those six dudes in there powering the lineup. I mean, it just, it buys you so much room to maneuver and figure out things, uh, you know, with pitching and whatnot. And I think, you know, the Astros went through that too, by the way, right? Like just, I think another organization where, yeah, there's a reason why they're there every year. With the Dodgers, it's interesting, right? All these points we make about where they're struggling, like the places where it could be an issue, they're all true. They're also 30 and 19 despite all of that. They have managed to kind of figure a way through this thing. And given all those issues, you think you'd be able to like really write them off by now and you can't, right? Like you can't. You can doubt it and that's fair and you should. But to be like, whoa, no, they're really in trouble. I don't know if we can go that far. And and I think that is really a testament to what they have built there. Yeah, jury's still out. All true. Like, jury is definitely still out. But the fact that they've even gotten to this point with what they've endured so far, I think is impressive. And with that lineup, right, like, Outman is a bit of, we're not totally sure what he's going to be exactly. But the five guys at the top of the lineup, like, I would love to see a more dangerous quintet than, you know, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncie, and a J.D. Martinez who looks like the guy J.D. Martinez has been for most of his prime. That is a terrifying group to try and get through. And you're seeing, like... Those guys have won them a lot of games. <laughs> just having like five guys who can really bang the ball around, and that and they the team thought their strength this year was going to be pitching. Actually, they thought that the pitching was going to be what they do, and the bullpen's kind of gotten itself together. The starters have been a, a, a bit of a mess. So, you know, if they have enough offense, and they certainly do have enough at the top of it to be dangerous in a playoff series, like yeah, the, I don't know. I but then again, you look at the pitching, and you're like, who are they starting tomorrow? Okay, what about the day after that? Oh, it's it's Noah Syndergaard. Okay, all right. Like, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty there. Point of clarification, you pronounce James Outman as James Outman. Is that actually the pronunciation? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, okay. So it, it, perfect, perfect. I just wanted to make sure that... I just it, like calling him out, Outman. No, that's funny. That's funny. It's, yeah, it's, thank it's, you. It's a bit. It's, it's a big, bit. It's a big like hat. It. It's funny. Uh, I, I will say... <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the Dodgers are, they're going to be fine. That's the general, the general default is like, we're talking about what they're not doing right. Now is the time. If I am running a team like the Orioles or the Dodgers to jump the market and make a trade for a starting pitcher right now, do it and you've got, you set yourself up for the rest of the season. This is Grant's hot take of the week. Don't get much hotter than this. Uh, I think now is the time to really bowl the White Sox over for something for Lucas Giolito. Uh, now, because if you start playing the game, the waiting game, and you know, you're going up to August 1st, uh, too late, too late, not too late, but like maybe you miss out on the guy you really want now. Hot take. What do you guys think? I think that makes more sense for the Orioles than it does uh, for the Dodgers. 
Because what playoff game in the rot- where in the rotation would Giolito start for the Dodgers? Uh, he's the best postseason Num- pitcher three. of his generation. <laughs> number three at best, right? Depending on how, depending on what, I mean, Tony Gonsolin always has a two ERA, and they're asking him to throw sixty <laughs> pitches. So who knows? But like, he's the number. He's in a playoff series. He's starting game three. I would think okay. behind Urias and Kershaw. But Urias is, is not looked very good. He's Julio Urias. He should be just fine. He'll be fine. But I mean, it isn't the utility in this hypothetical move though. Less about where that guy slots in the playoffs, and more about making it easier to weather this like pitching roulette storm that you're gonna have to deal with for a while. Not if you're the Dodgers and you have the bodies to throw at it. If you can throw Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller at the problem, why would you trade Gavin Stone or Bobby Miller to do that? Right. I mean, that's just a you know that's just a basic arbitrage question. I think for the Orioles who like could use a you know a guy who like who's starting Game One for the Orioles in a postseason series right now. Right, you know, like Tyler uh, Tyler Wells. Sorry, <laughs> is that his name, Taylor Wells? Tyler Wells. He's laughing. He's having a really nice year. He really. I'm is. mixing him up with Taylor Walls. That's easy to do, Ooh. actually. Yeah, this is they play a, the this same is division. A, this is a Brandon Marsh, Jared Walsh situation. <laughs> David Tyler Wells. Wade, Tyler, <laughs> yeah. This is uh, Donnie Murphy, David Murphy, and uh, Daniel Murphy. Daniel Remember Murphy. that? There's Donnie David and Daniel Murphy. Too much. Get him out of there. Yeah, a lot of Murphs. Tyler Wells, the pride of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tyler Wells is good, but uh, who starts game two? Is it? Are you rolling in to the ALDS with Kyle Gibson getting like your key key? You gotta win this start. It's gonna be Kyle Gibson, you know, nibbling. He's a nibbler. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just so for a team like Baltimore that makes a little more sense, right? It'd be like, oh, like the Yankees are dealing with a lot of pitching injuries. They should trade for, you know, Lucas Giolito. And it's like, well, to, for what? Like why? You know. One thing um, I also notice is that if it's not Giolito, there just is not a really robust market because it turns out that the teams that are bad are bad because they don't have a lot of good pitchers. Yeah, and hot take it's again. A, a question, too, would be like, okay, so who was the best pitcher on the White Sox last year, right, if you're working backwards? It's Dylan Cease, right? Dylan Cease was, like, emerged as a potential, you know, he in our Aces survey, he got a few applicant votes. Um, he's not acing the test, uh, suffice it to say. He he's, looks unlikely to be an ace next year on our, on our voting. However, still a lot of talent, has always missed a lot of bats. It's a question of, like, getting low quality contact and not, you know, issuing walks. He looks a lot more like he did in like 2021 and 2020. Um, when it's kind of like intriguing if this guy, you know, if stuff sinks up, this guy could be a number one. For a team like the Dodgers who tend to optimize their pitchers, that would be more appealing. Uh, however, the price would be pretty significant. And if you're the White Sox, you're not going to be selling him at the peak of his value. So it's just a weird, like, it just, the market doesn't favor that type of trade coming together. No, but that is the more... There's too many crosswinds. That's, that's the more fascinating one, though, because you're right, Dylan Cease is precisely the kind of player that teams will, quote, dream on. Oh, if we can get our hands on this guy because he misses bats, because he's, you know, shown some of the underlying signatures that you want out of a guy that, you know, you, you feel like has another level that they could get to. I think he's exactly sort of the raw, like, clay 
that teams would be seeking. So it is fascinating. I do want to say just real quick on with that, and I agree with you, but the White Sox aren't dumbasses. Like, they understand this about Dylan C. So, like, they're not going to, like, if we're able to suss this out on a podcast, like, <laughs> they know this. So, like, it's not like you're going to be able to be like, hey, Rick Hahn, what about uh, what about that number four study you got, Cease? You know, like, they're not, like, they get it. So, yeah, anyway. Sorry. What year did that fake GM work in the game? That's... I, I, that was just my Dave Dombrowski. Really? Because that's not like someone who ran the Washington Senators. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, you got a pep of a starter yeah. there, Dylan C. So Dylan what you, Dave what you ran the Florida for? Marlins. I mean, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> that, like, that's the kind of age where you started a conversation by saying the word say. Yeah, you know, right. Say, what about that <laughs> fourth starter you got there just laying around? Yeah. Anyway. Um, what will it take for Doyle Alexander? What about the Smoltz kid? He seems like he's got some moxie. Wasn't that an early trade, speaking of which? Anyway, um, so... This is more love for the Nationals from a couple of years ago. The White Sox are one loss away from being 19 and 31. So could you imagine the Chicago White Sox winning the World Series? Like <laughs> in a word, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, at least their celebrations cool. Jake Berger rakes. Like that's good. <laughs> Looks good in the costume. James Fegan keeps pointing uh, out. Anyway, yeah, um, good times. One thing that uh, Roundtableheads should know is that uh, in our Slack, we're constantly dropping in the home run celebrations from teams that are like three and thirty-seven because they make us laugh. Like uh, the Oakland A's have a home run celebration. Fun they have multiple. I mean, they just, oh, they can't decide. Right. They've know, got as many home run celebrations and... as they've got wins this year. <laughs> and by the way, they think they're still stuck at 10. Like, I mean, Hold on, let me look. which to me is just amazing. And, and one of their people tweeted this out. And it was supposed oh to be God, like celebratory they, and talking about they how are they've scratched wins. out all these one run wins. And it's just like, holy crap. What if that coin flip goes the other way? Like, are they a five win team? Like that, I mean, it's remarkable. Ten wins. It's like almost the end of May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. So they're 10 and 39, but I don't think that reflects everything because their Pythagorean win-loss is 11 and 38. Oh, my God. So please, please give them them a little credit. They're a win behind. They're a win unlucky. They've won 10 games all year. The Mets have won five games since I wrote that their season was over. Maybe you should write the the uh, A's are on the rise no, or something. Not, yeah, like not even that. Uh, I don't even have that much power. Holy shit. Boy, smokes. that would be amazing if you did that. And they just like went and won 20 in a row like it was, you know, 2002 or whatever. I don't foresee that happening. <laughs> they, I am looking at their baseball reference page. Man, this is bleak. This is bleak. There's something, I don't know. I guess when you spend enough time doing what we do and enough time like on reference there like there the numbers can bum you out like when you look at that ops plus category and you see like 38 49 or like era plus and you see like 17 like it's just you're just like that is a digital like symbol of suffering have you extrapolated do you do you know what their on pace record is have you figured this out uh no i i, I hope you have because i'm sure it's bleak 33 and 129. Oh, my God. Do you, do you know what it takes to lose 100 games? I've seen <laughs> terrible teams that are unwatchable. He's right. And they haven't they haven't lost 100 games. Like, I've watched some Giants teams where I was like, I am sick of this team and everything they're putting in front of me, but they didn't lose 100 games. To lose 29 games more than a 100-loss team, I mean, my God. 
No, I'm just saying they're a 10 win team and there are dudes in that lineup playing their asses off. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Like, oh I mean, Brent Rooker is playing his ass off. Ryan Noda is having a nice year, right? Like, there, there are dudes in there actually, you know, trying to like make something, make a run of it and like, you know, taking advantage of opportunities, which good for them. But like, goodness gracious, you know, there's no, nothing in the baseball card, you know, foresaw that. The league average AL team has 56 home runs. The, the A's have 53. They're, they, they're hitting for power, but... Yeah, the pitching is just... Oh, man. The pitching is it's just... Man, it's like... I, I don't think I've ever seen a modern staff look that overmatched, I guess. I mean, I, I wonder, like, how many times they've, you know, they're within a run or whatever, and then the bullpen door opens, and then the score becomes 11-3. to three. Uh, yeah, but like, it's not like it's not even the bullpen. Well, no, no, the starters. I mean, the bullpen's not year. good, but it's the start. Yeah, the yeah. starters are just. Well, it's yeah. t- man. Well, they started tough. the year not throwing strikes, and then they started throwing strikes, and then the ball hasn't come down yet when they throw strikes <laughs> like that. I mean, it's it, it is like they have managed to pack a lot of ways of bad onto one team, and it, it's really. It actually makes me angry. So let's move on. <laughs> well, I, I before we move on, I just I want to describe how bad it really is for the A's. According to Baseball Reference, they are below 0.1 percent chance of making the postseason. That's how bad it is. I don't think they're going to do it this year. We should uh, we should get a bell for the A's. We end up talking about the Royals, the Giants, and the A's every episode. We should have an A's bell. But right in here. fairness, like you've all driven through. And you've been past the car crash, what you don't look. Like, that's what the A's are. It's just like the rubberneckers paradise at this point. Like, how bad can it get? And then they go and lose like seven straight games. Just like, wow, it got worse. You know, like, you know, you watch dudes like chasing routine fly balls and falling down while they're doing it. And it's just like, oh man, this is brutal. I remember cutting my teeth in my early professional baseball writing career on the Houston Astros mm. of 2011-2013, where, yep. where they were. It, so it would be the the butt slide, right? Like you've got Jonathan VR sliding into Brandon Phillips's butt, and like there was always like a comic element to how bad they were failing there's that one famous gif where you've got matt downs jumping in front of the throat of first that sails wide <laughs> like they were a classic it put the A's are like 20 games worse or 10 games worse that's than amazing 15 games worse than that. that's amazing i mean there's only one thing to be done it's have drellick start writing about the A's, and that will turn everything around <laughs> <laughs> uh, why would the oh, vegas oh man all right i'm bummed out well, this is it. We're about 45 minutes in. Did we hit everything? Uh, we can just cut it and just leave everyone with this, this taste of sulfur in their mouths. <laughs> is, that, is that how we want to, Is that how we want to do our roundtable I will, heads? Uh, just for the roundtable heads, I am. I, I will be, uh, you know, uh, uh, div, uh, 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 d- distributing my uh, written expertise this week on this uh, Yankees O's series at Yankee Stadium. It should be fun. It should be a fun, uh, you know, it's it's May, so no series can really be important. But uh, it'll be nice to see two competitive ball clubs button heads. Uh, the Orioles maintain their friskiness uh, and also their second place perch in the East. And the Yankees have uh, sort of gotten right uh, over the past week, so it should be fun. Orioles are three games back of the Rays who started like 41 and negative Impressive. Three. Like they, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they, they hung tough and... They did it without a ton of pitching, starting pitching at least. Like they're 
man, they are a fun, fun team. So yeah, I'll, uh, I look forward to your article. I look forward to your article about the old O's and Yankees. So uh, this is episode 50. We made it half a century. We're here. Check out our YouTube page. Uh, we do all this on YouTube. And then you can see things like uh, uh, Andy. Like He does this weird like uh, sling blade <laughs> thing with his mouth. Uh, when I've I'm talking? Dog, like reacting. Like you'll... you'll 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 get a, a potatoes look. At, yeah, you'll, you'll get one of those. Never noticed. That. Uh, you'll see dogs hopping on my lap. You'll see uh, uh, Mark's menagerie of hats. Uh, so check out our YouTube page. Uh, but this is episode fifty. We made it, and uh, here's to another fifty more. We have fun doing this. We talk baseball. It's what we do. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Even if I'm just dancing with myself.